Yo, yo, what up? This is Raphael with NBA Big Board. And in this episode, I have my guy, Richard Stamen, who was at the Portsmouth Invitational. And I'm going to get all the intel and all the scoop of what happened in Portsmouth. Stay tuned. All right, you are listening to NBA Big Board. I almost said locked on NBA Draft again. I'm going to get this right. I promise I'll get it right. But shout out to each and every person that has made NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. It means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to Richard and everyone else. And we have a title sponsor for today. The title sponsor is Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA and go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, got my guest for today, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft. Are you still Magic Draft, too, or are you just strictly <laughs> Mavs? Uh, no, definitely still both. I uh, just haven't heard from the Magic in a little bit, so I've been focusing on the Mavs Draft portion. We need to do an episode where you fix the Magic. That's, that's going to be an episode that we have to do in the near future. It's a, I mean, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. I haven't even asked you if you want to do this yet. I'm sorry. I just kind of put you on blast here. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. I'm going to make you the GM. You have to fix that redundancy in Orlando. Like, that's that's a challenge in itself. <laughs> All right. Anyway. I don't, I don't know I, that might have to be three episodes. <laughs> hey, man, we got time. We have We have time. But let's talk about the real reason why we're here. You were in Portsmouth. All right, who stood out to you? Like, I know there was a, a group of guys that I saw online. I wasn't there, and I, I haven't paid too much attention to it, so that's why I'm relying on you. But who stood out to you the most? Like, if you had to pick which player was the number one guy in Portsmouth, who is your guy? Yeah, so just to preface, I was there for half the tournament. I kept up with the box scores and people that were there. I uh, was staying in touch with them, trying to get the most most insight, but I did see everybody at least once in this tournament. I would say it really starts with Jariah Horn from Tulsa. He he absolutely killed it. I mean, his jump shot is beautiful. Uh, he has a low dip, but unbelievably lightning quick release. He's 6'7". He's a, uh, I want to say, God, was he six-year technically player because he sat out a year in 2017-18. Um, so he's older, but man, his shot is fast and he has a high motor he was playing good defense he was grabbing a lot of boards a six seven shooter who can uh who can do all those other things and is going to put his heart into it he really might latch on as the 15th 14th man and you know that is something so he was the first name that stood out for me and do you think his age will will be a factor i mean yeah it's it's impossible to say no unless you're like chris duarte it's always going to really hold you back i don't think I think it's going to be hard to justify drafting him, but if you see him pop up uh, around, you know, whether it's another COVID breakout in the winter or just training camp or 10 day contracts at the end of the season, I think you're very likely to see his name in the NBA at some point. So what would you say his defined role is in, in the NBA? If he's going to stick, like what is the defined role for him? Yeah, I, I like to compare him to Michael Mulder from Golden State, Miami and Orlando. Um, I think if you look at that, it's not the sexiest role, but he's a shooter who on a team that's kind of injured, he can come in, play next to a, a point guard that can find guys for open shots and he'll knock down those shots. I mean, he shot 41 and a half percent this last year, 40 the year before from three. So I, I think that's what you're looking at. It's just a sharp shooter. 
So when you go to like a camp like Orlando, are you looking for guys that one stand out? Or are you looking for guys that can fill a specific role in the NBA? So for example, like if it's a guy that is going to be a volume scorer, does that stand out to you? Or is it more so of a guy that you say, okay, he is going to be a three and D wing. He is going to have a role as a shooter. He is going to be a, a hustle player glue guy. What, what are you looking for when you go to a camp like Portsmouth? Yeah, I, I think you have to go into it knowing the context and, and history of what this tournament produces. It's very good for showcasing talent that is just hasn't been discovered yet, right? So for me, I look at it and say, I'm not trying to find a next star here. I'm not trying to find a guy who's going to be my franchise changer because that just historically hasn't happened. It's unbelievably unlikely for someone to do that. So I go into it just kind of looking at who can fill this end of bench role because that's the most likely outcome. Who sticks in that? Like who can come in 10, 15 minutes a game when, the, when one way or another, if the defense is dry, you help the defense. If you're an offensive player, if the shooting is just ridiculously low that night, who can come in and help be a shooter? So pretty much going for the role players that they're not going to be major minutes guys, um, but you do know that some of these undrafted free agents, a lot of them now were really turning up to be rotation players. It's less and less uncommon. And do you feel like what happened this year with the whole COVID situation, which, I mean, I can't expect it to happen again, but do you feel like this past year has shown the importance of like Portsmouth? Because I mean, I consider myself a guy that follows the NBA draft and college prospects to a, I mean, probably too much. And there were guys I didn't even know <laughs> that got NBA minutes this year. So how do you think uh, Portsmouth or, or these other camps popping up going forward? How important do you think they are? Yeah, I, I completely agree. There were definitely some guys where Woj or Shams would tweet and they'd be like, you know, Land Magic are signing a player that you've never heard of and almost no, like you played like they're, they're just anywhere. Um, I, I keep saying the depth in this in this sport as a whole around the world is getting better and better every single year just because there's more youth development, things like that. So the competition, I think the the competition of basically the what is it? How many players are in the league now? It's like 500 something um, around there. That mix for that 450th to 500th mix is a is very wide open. So. I think these events have an important place. And some of these guys have stuck around. I mean, uh, what was his name? Highsmith on the heat. I know he got, he had been around for a while. Um, and every year this, this tournament produces a draft pick or a high quality undrafted free agent. I think, you know, the, the last two weren't held. This is the first one of the decade. Dorian Finney-Smith, for example, was the last one, I think, not to be drafted. Uh, and he's been a high impact player from the Portsmouth Invitational. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys on the Miami Heat, like the average fan does not know five or six guys on that roster. I mean, they've dug deep and have made, I don't know, I, I can't even explain what they've been able to do because whatever it is, their system works. I mean, Duncan Robinson, it, it, even though he went to a, a major school, but nobody saw Duncan Robinson being like a, a $90 million player. And then you just look up and down their roster and they have a bunch of random I don't want to say random guys but guys that weren't necessarily highly touted they definitely have a a system and um, a certain player that they're looking for to fill the roster spot right we only got one player down but when we return I want to talk about a couple other players that stood out but I want to talk to the audience about prize picks now if you're not familiar with prize picks it's like day 
I mean, put it like this. It's a better daily fantasy option than what you're used to. And I would try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is basically is daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players and an over or under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it is just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in as little as 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Prize Picks is safe, and it offers fast withdrawals. So use the award-winning app on both App Store and Google Play. And what Price Picks offers is totally different. Actually, they have a variety of options. You can pick any prop that you can think of, point score to rebounds and steals. Price Picks also allows mixed sports entries. So you can do the over on LeBron and the under on Brady. You can take the over on player one combined with the under on player two in the same entry. And Price Picks just does not offer NBA. It offers options for college basketball, football, NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 free. If any player in your Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA, that is right. This is an exclusive offer available for Lock On fans or NBA Big Board fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA. You get $50 for free if a player in your first prize fix entry scores a single point. Can't beat that. I want to talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right. Thank you so much for making NBA Big Board, the NBA Big Board podcast, your first listen of the day. Now, I would suggest you check out the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game. With analysis from my local experts, it is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, this is Rafael Barlow. He is Richard Stamen. He was in Portsmouth. All right, before I, I, I get into the next round of questions, I've heard that this gym in Portsmouth is like a high school gym. I've heard it's not like the, the sexiest location. It is not the easiest to get to. So for the audience that is listening, that has been hearing about Portsmouth for years, just tell us about your experience overall on like getting there and, and just the overall setup. Well, first of all, yeah, uh, uh, let me shout out the Churchman Truckers. They, they're they one of the coolest uh, high school, I guess, mascots, uh, brands I've seen, the Churchill Truckers, they're orange and black, big sucker for that, uh, for that colorway. I was a Bengals fan for a little bit growing up. Me too. Uh, yeah. That's three of us, me, you, hey, and Nick Angstad are, are Bengals maybe, fans. Maybe that's why he hired us, like, because ah, of the Bengals. That, that has to be it. I, mean, I have, I have a Kajana Carter jersey on for my senior picture. That's how old <laughs> I am. <laughs> dude, I, I have a Bengals hat going around the country. Uh, there's 2011. I went around the entire country and did every photo of Bengals hat. But uh, it was... It, it was your typical high school gym and it was, you know, the bleachers and everything. No, no backrests anywhere. Um, tons, tons of media and 
uh, MBA personnel, whether it's agents, scouts, Jonathan, uh, or uh, I don't know how to say his name, Giovanni, Giovanni from yeah. Draft Express was there. Tons of MBA scouts and personnel again. I, I actually, my favorite thing was I walked in, I was late uh, because I, I missed my first flight to Norfolk, uh, connecting flight, just disaster. And uh, I walk in, I walk into the gym and I'm walking up and some old guy, like we make eye contact and he's like, you know, he does a head nod and I'd take my seat. And then all of a sudden an agent comes up next to me and uh, I, I didn't really talk to him for like 10 minutes. Then he, he comes over, like make eye contact. He goes, by the way, you know who this guy is behind us? It's Jim Beheim. And I was like, wait, what? And the guy I make eye contact with had no idea it was him. Uh, but it is an obscure part of Norfolk area. Um, it was really, really not your typical thing. Like, you know, you hear the NBA draft combines in the heart of Chicago. It's a lot different. Yeah. All right. So who else stood out to you? Like, if you had to say, um, who was number two, like on your list? Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to say Michael DeVoe. He was the player of the tournament. My issue with him, though, is just he plays at his own speed. And, and sometimes that's a very good thing. You know, obviously we talk about that in some of the superstars like Luka Doncic, who is on a, who not the most athletic player. He plays at his own speed. However, when you're a role player, you kind of got to play at the speed of everybody else, um, which worries me about DeVoe. And he's not that explosive with his right hand, but his jump shot is absolute money. He's six, five. So he might be able to play off ball. The hope for him is putting him in a, a very, very minimized Lonzo ball role where he's just a, like a point guard skills in a, off-ball player um but really you know from a draft perspective i think someone else that really popped was and this is in the first game quentin jackson from texas a&m super athletic six five guard uh a jump shot i really liked what he brought to the table let's get back to devoe i i've liked him for a while now he's been very productive at at georgia tech and it just shows how tough it is to make it to the nba because you look at a guy like him He's even better than some of the guys that are going to be drafted, but the upside is, is the big difference. And so we're now in this, I mean, I think it's like a weird space in the NBA draft where, where we're going to have guys drafted this year. It could be up to like five guys drafted, maybe even in the first round that are young. They're like 19 or 18 years old. They average single digit points and they're going to be first round picks. Wow, a guy like DeVoe, who's been productive <laughs> for multiple seasons, is on the outside looking in. What, what is your thoughts on that? It's kind of off yeah. the subject a little bit. Well, what is your thoughts on this? Whole, no, no, this I, I actually, I'm with you. I followed DeVoe since he was a freshman. I thought he was going to be a two and done kind of guy. Uh, but obviously, he stayed there all four years. Um, he has about a two plus two wingspan. So that really limits him. I think that's honestly a bigger limiter than... Uh, the age I'm pulling up his exact numbers now, but um, yeah, I measured six, six, four, six, five, uh, right at six, five with a six, six and a half wingspan. So that really doesn't help the defense. Um, he just, again, the pace is really the issue for me. And, and he's so left-hand dominant that I wonder can being just a spot up shooter, it, he's great at it. Could that actually work in the NBA at his size? And I don't know. I'm a little bit iffy on that. See, as a lefty, have you ever noticed? All right, I'm a lefty. You only hear about lefties being left-hand dominant. You never hear about people saying, oh, he's so right-hand dominant. It's like when you're a lefty, it stands out even more. But I will say one thing. As a lefty that played basketball, not at a high level, every lefty can get back left. 
whether it's James Harden, <laughs> whether it's Manu Ginobili, if you force a lefty right, every lefty has some type of step back, some type of move to get back to their left hand. So even if a lefty is left hand dominant, it's, it's hard to stop. All right. And so the next guy that, that you mentioned, what do you think his role is in long term in the NBA if he is able to stick? Yeah, it's he's a little bit different. Um, also six five, like DeVoe. He's less of a true point guard and more of a combo guard. Uh, so that I think that almost plays to his favor because his biggest weakness is decision making. There were a lot of times where I would see him just staring down a cutter, but it would be time was so slow uh, for what should have been for an NBA point guard. And the athleticism, though, where he's going to be able to be a score first guard, if he can play next to, I don't know, like, I know you said the Orlando Magic, so I'm just kind of keeping that team in my mind now, uh, disregarding their absolute just mess of a, uh, of a guard rotation. If you put him there, like Markel Fultz is a more traditional point guard in the way he's not going to be score first. He is trying to get his teammates involved. If you put Quentin Jackson next to him, you could let him go to the basket and explode. And I think he'd actually play a really good role. And we saw him play off ball a little bit. I think that was beneficial for him. So uh, again, just kind of improving those decision-making skills as a ball handler, especially as a passer. I think that's where you'll see the upside really come into fruition. Now, if it were up to you, do you invite him to Chicago for a pre-draft camp? You know, I would consider him for the G League elite camp. For those that don't know, what, what, what exactly is the G League elite camp? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like the next cut for like, you know, the NBA combine, I think it's what, 60 players, something like that. It's supposed to be in theory, like, you know, the 60 players will be drafted, see them all come out. But obviously there's uh, people who decline, whether it's top picks or just random first round picks that get a promise, whatnot. Um, so you get around the top 60 players in the draft. And then after that, this is pretty new. They made it, I want to say it's 40 players, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, for the G League Elite camp. And with that, it's kind of that next wave. And we do see players get drafted out of that. A lot of them do play at the very minimum uh, on two-way contracts. It's almost a guaranteed around that range. So uh, it's it's a good deal to be, I think, in both of those. And, and I believe they're both in Chicago. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I believe so also. All right. In a moment, I'll get more players that stood out in Richard's mind. But got to talk to you about rockauto.com. And with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's just literally impossible for your local chain store or your auto parts store to carry all the parts that you need. So there's no point of even going there and having them ask you some ridiculous questions about your car that you do not know, especially when all the information that you need is right there on your phone or on your computer. All you have to do is access rockauto.com and it is available. Like I said, it's at home or in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto and there's no need to spend as much money as you would at auto parts, auto parts store where you can save 30, 50, and even 100% by going to rockauto.com. And that's because Rock Auto is a family business and it has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So if your kids got a little mud in your carpet from playing soccer, go to rockauto.com and they can replace them. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. 
right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and it has all the parts that your car will ever need at rockauto.com all right once again this is rafael barlow nba big board the director of scouting for nba big board and richard statement aka mass drafts aka magic draft aka locked on nba draft guru all right who else stood out to you yeah, uh, I'll go with the next one. I have to put somebody from the, I'll, honestly, let's just do rapid fire here. I'll go quick and then go on to the next. There's so many guys that stood out. It was a field of, I think, 64 uh, players. So there were a ton of guys that stood out. Keve Aluma from Virginia Tech. He is an awkwardly positioned player because he's not a center. He cannot guard back to the back uh, basket bigs and really protect the rim at a full-time role. But he can be a weak side guy who if you know, you put him on a, I guess, a small forward playing four, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right words, but my brain is fried for whatever reason. Um, if you put him on that kind of role, I think he can actually hang with them. He's high IQ. He can stretch the floor and be a good rotational defender. So I like him. Um, another one that stood out, Darius Days, his efficiency overall for the tournament wasn't that high, but especially that first game. I mean, he was picking and popping, picking and rolling the whole way. And he was really thriving. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I like his defense. He was intercepting post-entry passes a lot. Super long arms. He's 6'7 with a 7 foot and a half wingspan. Uh, it's almost identical to Draymond Green's measurements also with weight. So you look at that and there's some upside with him and he can stretch the floor. I fully believe the shooting upside. Uh, those are two and a pause there. All right. Overall, I wanted to ask you this. I probably should have mentioned this in the first segment. How was the overall play? I've been to plenty of tournaments where, you know, there's scouts in the building. Guys feel like they're playing for their lives in a sense. They're playing for contracts and opportunities. Overall, how was the gameplay? Was it a little selfish? Were guys playing too unselfish? And I feel like I've seen a little bit of both. Like even when I used to work in the G League for the Texas Legends, we had tryouts and sometimes there'd be 100 guys there. Sometimes guys are trying to play the right way and they never get the ball back. And then they realize like, okay, I haven't shown anything in the last day or so. So now I got to get my shots up. So it could turn into like a little bit sloppy. I've been to Vegas and seen some of like the pro exposure camps that they have going on at summer league all the time. It's the same thing. Either somebody's playing extremely selfish or somebody's being too unselfish. So that was a long-winded question. But overall, how do you think the gameplay was? Yeah, it was – there was definitely blends of both. Um, I would say, well, for starters, uh, I'll, let me go back to Kevin Aluba. He definitely was the perfect blend. I think he played both within himself and knew when to be shoot first, uh, but it wasn't ever out of the, the flow of the game, which I, I think that also is what really stood out to me. And if, if you ask anybody who watched those games and the people I talked to that did watch the, the rest of the games – he was a guy who, I mean, he had, he was good in playing his role and not stepping out of it and, and either way being too aggressive or too passive, but there were definitely some times, um, the best example I can say is the first game. It took a long time to get going. It was two 20 minute halves and it took about four minutes for either team to, uh, really for the combined score, I think to be even over double digits. It was, it was a NBA style uh, with some college results. But then the next game, it was over 100 for each. It was the only, I think it was the only game with both teams scoring over 100. It was just, it didn't matter how good the defense was, things like that. And it was 
everybody was getting theirs. And honestly, I think I preferred the second one where everybody played such a great role. And that's probably why he was so high scoring. Okay. All right. I have a couple of names I want to throw out for you. Tash Sherman. How did he look? Hey, I was going to get to him next. I liked him. Uh, kind of like his West Virginia days, you know, the efficiency didn't exactly pop. Uh, it was a little bit underwhelming, but him and Darius days in that first game they played, they really connected well. I liked how he ran a pick and roll with him a couple of times, set up days on absolutely beautiful pick and roll pocket passes, setting up a dunk. Um, it, to me, it showcased what he would look like with more talent around him. He still took a couple bad shots, um, was a little bit skinnier than I had expected. But ultimately, I think his scoring ability, there were some plays where he was being smothered and he still got his shot off completely clean and separated. So I was impressed with him. Okay, what about my guy, Nazir Brooks? I knew Nazir from when he actually played his last year of high school basketball here in Dallas. He played at a school called API, which featured, I mean, Terrence Ferguson was on that team, Trayvon Duvall, Billy Preston. I mean, these are names that if you follow high school basketball the last five or six years. These, these were some pretty hot names, but Nazir was on the team. I think he started off at Cincinnati, went to Miami, finished at Ole Miss, kind of like a traditional center. How did, how did he look? Yeah, you know, they didn't let him do as much posting up like Ole Miss did, where it was kind of soft hooks. They let him play a very, very specialized role. He was coming over, rotating from the weak side and making a lot of blocks. And he was also throwing down a lot of dunks. Uh, to me, it stood out that he could easily be an energy big with his size and athleticism. So I, I was impressed with him too. That was actually a guy who I was going to get down to because one, I know you know him. And, uh, and two, just the energy bigs I'm a sucker for him. I think there really is a spot for him in the league. So many of them. Wait a minute. The same guy that values energy bigs low? <laughs> No, okay. I'm giving you a hard time. To be fair, I know you're giving me crap for last week. (laughs) To be fair, I mean more as undrafted free agents. I think they're the best bargain. An undrafted free agent energy big is the best value you can get in the league. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. (laughs) Because for those that missed out, and you should not have missed out on last week's episode, but we kind of had a debate and he was a little bit lower on on guys like Mark Williams and, and some of the like the rim running shot blockers, he thinks that you can get them low, which makes sense because you you look at when you look at Jared Allen, Clint Capella, Mitchell Robinson, Rudy Gobert, none of those guys were lottery picks, and so I think in a redraft they 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 would be a lot higher. But you definitely can get value bigs. And who was the one that that burned you that that that, that kind of like ruined it for you? You're really gonna make me say his name, Ek Anikbogu. Oh, the, the guy from UCLA. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I thought we were done saying Annie Bogu's name, but every episode. Oh, man. <laughs> I apologize for that. All right, one more guy that I want to ask about, and, and this is he was my favorite player there, even though I didn't necessarily watch the whole tournament, but he was the guy that I was looking forward to seeing, Jamare Bouye. I, I yeah. did like a little video clip on him back in January. And ever since then, like, I kind of fell in love with his game. He's like this, this guy that you know that nobody can really guard, nobody can check, just gets buckets. But then you kind of wonder about his NBA fit. And then he had a big game in the tournament, I think he had like 36 points. And then that's when some people started to really, you know, uh, pay a little bit of attention to him. But by then it was too late. I know he was at Portsmouth. How, how did he look? Well, he measured with a plus six wingspan in the best vertical in the entire field 
Um, so that was really impressive. But the first game that I saw him in, he was he was getting to the rim. I forget who the center was. Might have been Brooks actually that he went against, but don't quote me on that. It might it was him or Daruji. Um, and he he went right at him, right next to the rim. Both both of the center's hands were right there, finished right over the top at the rim. Really impressive. Uh, the space creation was nice. He got off a couple shots, was good passing. Sadly, the numbers just didn't back him up. There were a couple unlucky misses. He wasn't getting a lot of assists because he, the guys were missing his shots. Um, but ultimately, I think the talent very much so stood out and, and the measurements really helped him. He strikes me as a guy that is going to end up in the G League, maybe on a two-way deal, and is going to absolutely tear the G League up because our pace is going to be faster. The spacing should be better than college basketball, even though the G League spacing is not like NBA spacing. But the, the way the G League is played, I think it benefits scorers, like a guy that can score, create his own shot. So I expect him to put up huge numbers in the G League, and then he's going to have to decide. Do I want to continue to you know, chase the NBA because with his ability to score, I mean, he's going to get some huge money offers somewhere overseas. And that's always a tough dilemma for guys that are coming from like Port Smith, where, you know, you, you, you may be like a senior, right? And so you're basically almost too old for NBA scouts. Cause right now, I mean, you got to be a teenager. <laughs> it's like they only want teenagers. It doesn't even matter about production in a sense. You have athleticism, positional size, show some skills handling the ball. You legitimately could be an, an, an NBA prospect. So these like seniors that are even more skilled and, and, and better who may have seem to have a limited upside, they usually end up in the G League and they, they play well in the G League. And then that's when the decision is made, which to me is like totally unfair because there are guys in the G League that are better than guys playing on NBA rosters who are younger. And it's just kind of this weird space we're in in the draft world, which makes our job a little bit more difficult because you got to project ahead, not necessarily what you see right now. Well, man, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for coming on, for giving us the intel and the insight on Portsmouth. I've always wanted to do a podcast on what goes on in Portsmouth because, I mean, I wasn't going to Norfolk, especially, not even Norfolk, but Port, Port, Norfolk, but Portsmouth, especially after doing all the traveling back and forth from, from Europe. So I'm going to stay stay in this area for, for a little while. But thank you for, for this insight and for the listeners that aren't familiar with your work, which I think everybody in this draft world is. Where can they find you and your tweets and your video clips? Yeah, at Mavs Draft on Twitter, always the hub. Uh, pretty much anything I put on MavsDraft.com, scouting reports, anything like that, it's going to be on my Twitter as well. So at Mavs Draft is uh, everything. All right, once again, this is Richard, or this is Rafael Barlow, and that is Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, a.k.a. Magic Draft. And thank you so much for making NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. I really appreciate it. I know I keep saying it, thank you, but I mean, I, I really appreciate the fact that the audience has made it possible for guys like myself and Richard to have a platform. And the only reason why we have that is because you guys are downloading the episode. So thank you so much. But now... I suggest you check out the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament all the way to the last possession of the NBA finals. 
The Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. All right, once again, Rafael Barlow, Richard Stayman, we are out. <laughs>